Good morning, beloved. Are you ready to be the church this morning? Yeah? Amen. Well, if we've not met, my, my name is Ken, and whether you're watching online or whether you're here in person, I call you beloved because that's the truth, who you are. We're in a series called Being the Church. It's about being honest. And um, that's what our message is about today, being honest. To be the church is to grow to be like Jesus Christ. And one thing we know about Jesus is that he's honest. Seventy times, 72 times actually, the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, quote Jesus starting his statements by saying, truly, I say to you. One of the attributes of God is he does not lie. Conversely, the devil is known as the father of lies. He's known as a subtle creature. You don't have to always know that he's lying because sometimes there's an element of truth in what he is saying, but ultimately he is lying. His goal is ultimately to deceive you and to lead you down a path of destruction. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Being the church is being honest. You know, we've been talking about the culture of our church and who we seek to be as we seek to be the church together. And one thing I believe we must be as we grow together is be honest. You can't have a relationship with people without being honest. You know, Crossman's second cultural statement is this, productive feedback, celebrating victories and identifying areas for constant improvement of our lives and of his mission. And, and for us to be effective, that is the kind of culture we need as a church. But, but my experience tells me in both my life and in the church that most people are not very skilled in giving productive feedback. In a world, we often live in a culture of critics more than in productivity and critics tend to break things down rather than build things up. Our aim as a church is to improve our lives and his mission in the world. You know, often in our leadership meetings, I ask two questions. What went well? Or what can we celebrate from whatever worship service or event or project we just finished? And then I ask, what, what did not go well? And and and. What can we improve? And you know what almost always happens is people start talking about first what did not go well or how they might have messed up or start blaming problems on somebody else's mistake. Or they have very little to say about anything at all. And when I ask the second question, sometimes productive solutions or ideas come forth. But often there is still more talk on what was wrong. Why is that? Maybe it's because we've been conditioned to be focused on problems rather than solutions. Or we're afraid to talk about problems thinking we will create more problems. See, productivity is focused, focusing on solutions, isn't it? It's not ignoring the problems, but it's believing that there is a solution. And isn't that what faith is? Hebrews 11.6 is a verse I quote often. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It comes down to our basic view of who God is. Is he good? Is he trying to grow us and reward us in life? Or is he simply trying to punish us? Does he really love us? 
Or is that just some sentimental thing we say? If God exists, productivity exists, and there are rewarding solutions that exist. Right? There is a reward for those who will seek him for it. We chose the word productive instead of the word positive for this statement because not everything productive feels positive. Isn't that true? Not everything productive feels positive. Actually, positive thinking can be self-delusion or a lie. I don't care how positive thinking I am. I'm not going to become an Olympic winning winning gymnast at 57. But with the right training and coaching and the right attitude, a positive attitude, I could be a lot better than I am now. See, productive feedback would help me have some gymnastic victories. Now, a critic might try to stop me saying, you're too fat and too old and you won't look good in the tights. Which all would probably be true. <laughs> Don't picture me that way. But, if, if what, but what if God is telling me that that is the way I am supposed to glorify him by being a gymnast? If in faith, I draw near to him and I believe he exists and he will reward me. If I seek him in that endeavor, I will have to work on productively correcting some of those issues or obstacles I have with his help, right? This is not positive thinking. It's productive thinking based on truth of who God is, trusting he will give me the power to make the necessary changes in my life. Productive thinking is positive because it believes that there is a solution but it's not delusional, it is grounded in truth. Does that make sense? You've heard me say church is a family, and you've heard me say that church is a team sport. Churches and families function best when we work as a team. And as we were developing our cultural statements, besides reading the Bible, we were also reading a book, a business book that Kim showed me. It was called The Ideal Team Player. And in that, it it talked about who the best employees were. They studied that and the best team player. And there were three things that were important. One, that you were humble and that you were hungry and that you were smart. Now, I want to explain those three things because maybe not what you think. The first one's really easy. Humility was the most important quality of the three. And I, I don't think Jesus would disagree with that. I mean, he said things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, to be successful in Jesus's family, in his kingdom, humility is of first importance. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Humility is required for teachability. Actually, while being fat is not advantageous for being a gymnast, it is for being a disciple. Actually, it's an acrostic that means you need to be faithful, available, and teachable. Being able to receive productive feedback helps us to learn from mistakes and constantly improve. Now, we take tests in school. All you students, you take lots of tests, right? So we can assess our learning process. I mean, that's the idea of a test. Now, same with our evaluations at work. Unfortunately, Often our tests have become ratings or a critical tool for judgment for academics and for bosses that don't really give us productive feedback to help us grow. Let me give you an example for you students. My daughter was told by a counselor, a guidance counselor, that she was not smart enough because of her grades on tests to approach certain professions as a freshman in high school. That was the wrong, unproductive feedback or message. The right feedback would have been to ask why she wanted to work in certain fields and to help her through coaching to see the steps that she would need to take to get to do those things. Telling her where she was doing well in the things and celebrating that and helping her to see where she needed to improve in her life 
to be effective. Instead, her counselor's critical feedback from a so-called expert was disastrous to her young mind and shattered her confidence for a little while. Fortunately, she got other productive feedback from her church and from her parents that told her she was smart and if she trusted God and believed in herself and if she worked hard, she could accomplish great things. And you know what? She has. The unproductive feedback she got would have kept her stuck in life in a dead-end job like her counselor. But at 30, she has learned more, done more, earned more, and been in more places than maybe that person has that gave her that unproductive feedback. You know, I remember some feedback I received when I decided to leave college and pursue my career as a performer. I went to one of my teachers that I thought would support me because she worked in the arts. And I asked her, you know, for some feedback. I told her I want to go pursue my my performing, and that would be my career. And so I went to my modern dance teacher in college. And you know what she said to me sarcastically? Oh, yeah, Ken, you'll be back. Don't leave college. You'll be back. Now, her unproductive feedback was somewhat right. But I did not come back to the university because I failed as a performer. I came back three years later, two times hired, to perform at that same university. I was thrilled to earn all my tuition back for two evenings of work. Yes, it was good to go back productively and get rewarded. What people missed who were giving feedback to both my daughter and I was a second thing a person who needs wants to be successful in anything needs to have and is essential to having a successful team and the kind of people we want to have on our team and the kind of people we want to be as a church is that they are hungry, right? See, my daughter and I were both hungry for something and so we wouldn't listen to unproductive feedback. Didn't Jesus say, Blessed, happy are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Matthew 5, 6. Hungry people believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder for those who will seek him. That's faith. Productive feedback is always rooted in the truth. It may not always initially sound positive, but It honestly addresses a problem or an obstacle in a non-condemning way, believing it can be overcome. But you have to be honest about the problems in front of you and believing there's a solution. Leaving college for me wasn't easy. It created a whole bunch of other problems that I had to overcome. I had to work twice as hard as other people. There were truths. God's word often says you can't solve a problem by saying it's not there. He says it this way in the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 6, 14. They have healed a wound of my people lightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. See, a consequence or judgment was going to come to a bunch of people for their sinful problems. And just thinking positively, not recognizing the problem was not going to fix anything. See, a hungry person is searching for answers. They're they're trying to get better, believing that they can with God's help. You know, reading God's word is one of the best places for us to get feedback. If you'll read it that way. If you read it religiously, though, it won't give you very much benefit. Here's an example of reading it religiously. Look how much more of it I know than anybody else. Look how much better I am doing at it than anybody else. Look how smart I am because I understand the problems of everybody else. And what you have done is gotten no feedback or application for yourself. Instead, think this way or read it this way. Hey, 
I'm growing to be more like Jesus in this way. That's encouraging me. Hey, I'm falling short of Jesus in this way. I need to change some things in my life. Hey, I regret my mistakes, how I failed God's word, and I need and how I've acted in this situation. I need to turn again to God for help so that I can do better. And his word tells me with his help I can. That's turning to his word for feedback. That's getting productive feedback in his word. See, Jesus is a wonderful coach. Jesus is a wonderful counselor who gives us productive feedback through his word of truth of how to live out God's design for our lives successfully. So when we each give productive feedback to one another, it needs to be rooted in God's word and principles not in our own fears, in our own doubts. Now, the last part of being hungry, humble, and smart is being personally aware of where your feedback that you give to others is coming from. Is it honest? Is it kind? Is it ultimately motivated from a place that builds up others Or is it motivated from one that carelessly destroys them? What is your motivation, God's love or your fears and your pride? Smart, that's what that means. Smart people have the ability to be interpersonally appropriate and aware of other people. That's what it means to be smart. That's who Jesus was. He spoke the truth always to encourage others. His words were not always positive, but they dealt honestly with problems productively. And he did it in a way that did not condemn others, but encouraged and empowered others to grow. Being smart is not being intellectually smart. Because there are a lot of very intellectually smart people that are very stupid. There are. And with the feedback they give to themselves and others, they do a lot of damage. Think of the Pharisees. Those guys were uber smart. They had the first five books of the Bible memorized by heart, and yet they're relationally very stupid. See, the Bible is a relational book, and it deals honestly with the truths about God, about us, and about others. God's word says, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproofing, and for correcting, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. God's word helps us gain productive feedback about God, ourselves, and others, so that we may become successful at living out God's design for our lives. Now, sometimes the religious get overzealous with the reproofing and correcting of God's word. They forget who the scripture was breathed out by in the first place, which is God, who is love. They forget the outcome of what the word should be is good works and that what we are training for is righteousness or doing good and productive things. So even when we speak, we should do it in love like Jesus so that it's productive and not destructive. Does that make sense? So for the rest of our time, please open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to skip around a bunch today in it. So you're just going to have to look over the text. I'll put some verses on the screen. I see some things as I look over this that will help us be productive in, in our words, be giving honest feedback to others. So first, the most important thing is we need to consider our motivation before we speak any words of feedback to anybody. Paul says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When there's a therefore in scripture, we need to consider what it is there for. And, and it's therefore whatever's 
previous in the chapter. In chapter 3, Paul's been talking about the breadth and the height and the depth of God's love for us and how far he would go for us in that love, that his love has the power to do abundantly more than what we could think and imagine. And as Christians, we have been called to that kind of productive love for others. So let me ask you, how can we tear down others with criticism? Some Christians make the excuse, well, that's just the way I am. I'm just a bottom line kind of person. I say it just how it is. I'm just honest. That's just who I am. Well, don't be yourself. Jesus says you must be born again. There is no spiritual gift of criticism. Not in the Bible. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And there are a bunch of descriptive words to describe what is like, Tracy, like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because you know the song, right? <laughs> She'll sing it for you later. So, beloved, <laughs> use a little self-control and be quiet when you feel like criticizing. Rebuke that critical spirit. This thing called unity is more important than brutal honesty or venting your emotions. Here's a truth. The flesh values venting our emotions. And we call it just being honest. But even if we, what we say is partially true, without true motivation to build up others, the, if the motivation to vent our emotions is just to vent our emotions, it's destructive and unproductive because it hurts the integrity of other people's souls. And you're lying to yourself if you think it's being like Christ. Honesty is good, but there are some things to consider when being honest. The truth should be said with gentleness. Are you being patient, waiting for the appropriate time when somebody is ready to hear it? Or is it that you're not willing to bear something about them that bothers you personally, so you're taking control of the situation? Is what you're going to vomit going to build up that other person or situation or ultimately tear them down? Here's a formula to think about before you try to build somebody up with your feedback. Truth plus tact plus timing equals transformation. Truth plus tact plus timing equals transformation. So it's not just about honesty. It's about a few other things. Ask yourself, are you eager just to air your opinion of truth? Or to, are you eager to build up relationships, the person, the family, and the body of Christ? What is the motivation? Are you being smart relationally? You know, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, that those who follow him are to, if anyone would deny, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, I've never been asked to pick up a wooden cross beam and carry it anywhere. But daily, I deny myself emotional venting and retaliating for little irritations and injustices that happen. That's often what it is to pick up your cross. You know, when Jesus picked up the cross, people were shouting shameful criticism at him, and they were slandering him. 
slandering an innocent man, yet he silently walked in love the path to Golgotha to die for them. You know, many people often criticize God for being silent. Maybe he's just being gentle by not responding to all the dumb things we say. Because he already died for them. In Ephesians 4, Paul is encouraging the church to build each other up in love. Recognize God has made us different from each other for a purpose. And he is encouraging us to be unified as a church. And then in verse 15, Paul says, rather speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is head into Christ. So we are to honestly speak the truth, but there is a condition and a reason for it in the previous verse. The, the reason in the previous verse, if you look back to it, is so that we will grow up. So we have to speak truth so that we will grow up and not remain children. So we must give each other productive feedback to each other so we grow up and mature as people, as a family and as a ministry and in our marriages and as a church. So if we love people, we will speak up and we will learn to be productive in our feedback and not critical in our feedback to one another. We all need to grow so that we are not tossed around by the unproductive feedback that comes from the world, which is not based on truth that that can sway us. Or the feedback that is coming from the winds of doctrine, the, the, the human teaching based on cultural values. We have to be careful that that, that we're not spewing that. Often we give critical feedback that has nothing to do with biblical values or kingdom culture. It has more to do with our own sense of family or society or cultural norms. Sometimes our, our unproductive feedback comes from lies, as Paul describes, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. This is thinking that we are in the truth when we're really not in the truth. See, there is this big river in Egypt called denial that we all get immersed in. Thanks, Matthew, for laughing. (laughs) Baptism. (laughs) Baptism in denial distorts our eyes And it makes us see our sins as little and helps us see everybody else's sins and issues as big. And so we need to keep ourselves constantly baptized in the gospel and in gospel conversations, which is more productive. One of our most deceitful schemes as humans is to make mountains out of everybody else's molehills so that no one else will see our mountains of sin or BS. When we lie to ourselves, the feedback we give to others is tainted by a lie. It's not honest. Kind of like that counselor in the high school playing God to cover up for their lack of success by telling a young student they can't be successful. Maybe because they never tried. Maybe because they were too lazy. Maybe because they failed or because they gave up. I don't know their reasons, but why would you tell a young child that hasn't even hit their potential what their life would be? They're not God. I heard today a doctor said, this person's going to die. They're not God. Who are we listening to? Right? Sometimes feedback is unproductive when somebody steps beyond their authority. Often we make judgments of others so that no one will judge us. 
which is wrong motive, which makes our feedback unproductive. The Bible says in Matthew 7, judge not that you will not be judged for with the judgments you pronounce, you will be judged for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. This is one of the most misunderstood and misquoted verses in the Bible by both believers and unbelievers. Because we don't understand the, the, the difference between making a judgment or, or giving feedback to something and condemning. Giving feedback is making a judgment based on a truth. Actually, Jesus is giving productive feedback on judgment here. He's saying, take the log out of your eye. He's saying we all have sin. That's a judgment, that we have sin. We, we must make judgments about what is sinful behavior. That's not sin, to say this is sinful, this is not. Jesus is making a judgment about what is really sinful or damaging, which is to try to give productive feedback to someone else when you're blinded by your own sin. It's damaging. Hey, Mike, you got a little something in your eye. Let me help you get that out. It's damaging, right? It's a damaging thing. To grow, we have to make judgments. That's what feedback's important. We have to make little judgments about behaviors and sins. But what it's saying in the Greek language, when it uses the word judgment... So what it's saying is we can't make divine judgments. We can't play God and condemn. Predicting someone's future, future failures, condemning someone to hell, saying that sin is going to lead you to hell. That behavior is going to lead you here. Because what we've done is we've condemned them as a person or condemned their character. And I don't have the right as a human being, to do that. That's a lie. That's unproductive. God, as creator, has the right to condemn because our rejection of him gives him that right. But even God chooses the more productive thing in John three seventeen. He says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, his feedback is not like a school counselor, a teacher, or an accountant, a judge, that says you don't measure up because you didn't perform well. That's not who God is. His feedback is productive. He says, you, even though you failed, are worth redeeming. But we have to deal with this sin. But you are worth redeeming. There's a problem. But I have the solution. Trust me for it. To give productive feedback, first, we must, as Jesus says, take the log from our own eyes. We first must stop playing God, trying to fix others or control others because their behavior offends us in some way. Then we will clearly see productive ways to give them feedback and encourage them. So to give productive feedback, we need to avoid being in denial of our own stuff. Or, or it could be unproductive. And, and we could do more damage to others than good. We, we need to be transparent about our own stuff. Paul continues in Ephesians 4, 26, for, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, which is equipped when we each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds each, itself up in love. So being the church requires being honest with ourselves and with others so that we build up this whole body in love. How do we do this? Well, Paul says we put off the old self, 
before knowing Christ, we walked in the darkness of our sin, blinded by our own sin, in complete denial of it. But when we get honest, we admit our own sinful desires and our motivations so we can take them off like a garment, putting on a new self like a Jesus suit and speaking the truth in love with control. To do this, we need to become emotionally honest about how we're really feeling. In verse 26 and 27, the Bible tells us, be angry and do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. And what that's saying is to be productive, don't react emotionally. The mistakes, the failures, and the sins of others needs to be addressed in an honest way. And honestly, sin makes us angry. Mistakes make us angry. And often they should make us angry. And the Bible says, be angry. Experience that emotion. But realize our emotions can lie to us. And that we can become intoxicated with powerful emotions like love and anger and fear. And the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately sick. And who can understand it? Jeremiah 17, 9. And it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, which means fully process your anger. And that way you will not sin in your response. So don't fire back a text. Texts are not how we give feedback. Sorry, anybody that's under 30, it's not in the Bible. Seriously, don't use electronic communication tools. We don't react to build people up. We process our emotions and think. Often our anger is what makes our feedback unproductive, tearing someone else down, giving an opportunity for the devil to destroy things. The Bible says that in James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brother. And I wasn't just picking on people under 30 because people over 30 are now using text. I have people come in for counseling sometimes wanting to show me their phones of their arguments. You know how destructive that is? That's terrible. Because those things can't be taken back. And it's all reaction. We need to process our feelings and talk to one another. Know my beloved brother. Let every person be quick to hear, not read. Slow to speak, not text. Slow to anger. To give productive feedback, you must not just be emotionally dumping or texting in your anger. But you must listen to what's going on, listening to what God is saying, and listening for what God wants you to do to help build things up. Being slow to anger is productive because you deal with the problem in an appropriate way. In verse 25, Paul encourages us, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. And what I think he's talking about is what Jesus talked about in Matthew 18. We need to give the truth in love to a brother and sister. When we need to do that, we are to go to them at a good time. Tact plus timing or truth plus tact plus timing equals transformation. Go to them as a brother or sister alone. After praying about it, after processing the anger, we go and talk to them alone. We don't take a club, a club of other people on our back. Because often because of our own fears, we surround ourselves with the opinions of others when we go give our feedback to others, which is extremely unproductive. We gang up. We gang up on people. You know, sometimes that happens to me as a pastor. I hear stuff like, lots of people are saying, Pastor, everybody's upset about this, Pastor. We all got offended by this, Pastor. 
You know what I've often found out is everybody is the man and his wife. Lots of people are him and his best friend. We all are his wife and his kids having chicken fried pasta for dinner after church. None of that's honest communication. It's demonic communication. It's like what the demon said to Jesus to intimidate him. We are legion. It's a tactic we can all use, if we're honest, to control a situation. It does not build up the body. It's politicking. It tears down the body. And, and, and we don't just do it to pastors. We, we do it to one another. It happens in families. A wife may say, well, kids and I think, Dad. We do it to children. Well, the family is all saying this about you. It happens at work. Everybody thinks you're not doing things right around here. Who's everybody? See, there's this tactic in marketing called jump on the bandwagon to get you to buy things. Everybody's doing it. You know, it's really effective for young consumers sometimes or immature consumers. The devil uses it all the time for immature people to get us to buy a lie to take us away from true Christian culture into a worldly culture of tearing one another down. Because that's how the world operates, ganging up on one another, emotionally. And if we're ganging up on one another emotionally, especially in the church, whether it be on a pastor, a deacon, a worship leader, a ministry leader, or just a member, it's sinful. It's unproductive. Remember the fruit of the Spirit? What is it, Tracy? So that was the fruit of the Spirit. Now here's the opposite. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Bits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Did you notice dissension and division, which is that politicking I'm talking about, made the same list, those factioning things, are serious business. They made the same list as orgies and sexual immorality and sorcery. Same list. Yet the religious-minded people in the church often feel very pious in criticizing and ganging up on one another in their little groups against leaders and against one another. Instead of relationally coming to one another one-on-one and honestly addressing problems or concerns they have with one another. Paul would tell us in verse 29, let no corrupt talking come out of your mouth but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that we may give grace to those that hear, who hear. See, our words should always be full of grace and truth. So, so here's some suggestions when you have to have those potentially difficult conversations that, that might possibly tear somebody down because they're sensitive. Start your sentences with I feel statements. That way, if you start with I feel, you're sure that you're not ganging up saying, everybody, I feel. It also leaves room that you might have misunderstood the truth of the situation because it's only about your feelings, your feelings aren't necessarily true. It's just your impression. I feel this. Avoid starting your feedback with saying you did, because that's pointing a finger, which is going to put somebody on the defensive and start to tear things down. Avoid saying you always, because that's an accusation that puts somebody on the defensive because you always is making a judgment of character because none of us is always anything. 
I'm not always late. Neither are you. I'm not always happy. I'm not always grumpy. Sometimes I am. Nobody's always anything. And so you immediately put somebody on defensive because we're all multifaceted. It's not loving, it's condemning. It's not building communication. Never say, you make me so angry. Or whatever emotion you're feeling. You're responsible before God to process your own emotions. It's okay to be angry. It's okay. The Bible says be angry about whatever happens. You can say, I feel angry. But your sin and your response, your reaction is your responsibility. Blaming others is not productive for you or for them. Think of blame as be lame. Be lame. Because it leaves you both lame. It leaves you unproductive. It does not build up you or them. Adam and Eve did this in the garden, and that's how we got in this whole mess in the first place, into this whole broken mess. Productive feedback is learning to attack problems, not people. It's really what it is. Being productive in our feedback to one another, friends, is not easy. What I'm asking us to be is different than the world, which is to be like Christ. It's not easy. Because being honest with ourselves and our own motivations is sometimes hard. It's not easy. God's word says to not let corrupt talk come. But God's word is is not saying be silent. He is saying speak the truth. So we have to open our mouths. And and there's risk in that. Speak the truth in love. Let your words be productive. Let them be a grace to those who hear them. We grow as a people. We grow as a church in honest words full of grace and truth. Which is the kind, productive kind of feedback God gives us in the gospel. Paul concludes Ephesians 4 with these words, be kind to one another, be tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. See, the gospel is kind because it's honest. God gives us productive feedback in it. He does not leave us where we are. He cares enough to speak the truth of where we are to us in love because our sin is destroying us. And that he's compassionate towards us in forgiving us through Jesus Christ. He, he, he came to tell us and show us that we need forgiveness. He, Jesus did not hide the ugliness of our sin. He lovingly displayed it to us all on the cross by dying for it to see, for us all to see it. It was bloody. It was gruesome to show us all the ugliness of our sin. Yet he did not blame us for it. He suffered the shame of it for us. And by his grace, he forgave us for it, taking our sin and our punishment upon himself. He also did not hide our redemption from us. He celebrated it by walking out of A borrowed tomb. He borrowed it because he didn't need it very long. After three days, he did this all to prove that God exists and that God rewards those who seek him. And that is God's productive feedback to us all. God says this to us, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Today, will you first be honest with God? Admit your sin and turn from it 
and turn to him and find forgiveness and freedom and love in him. And then be the church. Be honest with one another, giving each other loving, productive feedback so that we all can grow together and be like Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you love us enough to be honest with us and tell us the truth, both good and bad, in a productive way. Lord, if there's anybody here today that has not yet admitted to themselves and been honest with themselves of the truth of their sin, Father, may they do that today. May the, 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 the truth of your reward and your love and your forgiveness for them give them the strength to admit their sin. And may they turn right now and accept your love and your mercy knowing that your goal is to be productive, not to condemn, to, to make them better, to transform them. That at this time, right now, you are seeking to meet them with the truth, with tact, with love, at the right time to transform them into something new to be an agent of love in this world, to be productive in other people's lives, to build up others for your glory and for your purpose. Oh, Father, do a mighty work in this church and in these people right now. Father, may we sing of your simple gospel. May it be always on our lip in every conversation and everything that we do. It's so simple. Father, thank you, and we praise you for Jesus. Thank you for his love. Thank you for the reward that's in him. May we stand now and sing deep praises to him. Let us be productive with our voices. Let us not be shy. Let us praise his name. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.